Well, it is good to be with you this morning. My name is Kayla Fick. I serve as the classes leader and stated clerk for classes Zealand. Stephen and I went to seminary together, and now he actually serves as our classes president. So it's been a fun midst of a year to get to spend more time with him and to work on leading our classes in that way. Um, as Aaron said, one of my jobs is to oversee candidates. So I got to help walk Aaron through the candidate process. Um, I've been with the classes eight years. It's been a wild ride. There's been some great moments to celebrate students ordained, and there's been some challenging times. And that is true in this congregation too, isn't it? There has been joy and challenge, and so I appreciate the invitation to come and to preach, to bring God's word to you today. My family joins me. My husband is Josh. Nora's three, almost four, sitting here in the front row, and Annika's in the nursery. You might hear her. She's real vocal, but we'll see. She's a people person. We joke that she's a great PK because she usually will go to anybody and always has something to say. So you'll see her during coffee time. But again, it is my joy to be here and to be with all of you today. It's been a week since Christmas. Some of you are asking, what comes next? What day of the week is it even? For those of you who are students and teachers, you're on winter break. All of the days run together. Maybe you're one who's already saying, Christmas, what? We've moved past that. My husband's grandparents were known for taking the Christmas tree down on Christmas Eve after the family left, and it was on the curb by midnight. They were moving on, done with Christmas. Maybe you're that way too. The decorations are put away, the presents carefully arranged in your house. Or maybe your extended family, like mine, had to shuffle and rearrange after last weekend's blizzard, and you have yet to gather as a family. We're going to gather with my family tonight. As much as postponing plans brought disappointment for many of us, I do love that it was an opportunity to remind ourselves that Christmas is 12 days long, and that those 12 days come after Jan January, December 25th an opportunity to celebrate in a full season, to ponder what does the birth of this Christ child mean, to continue the celebrations of Christmas. So our scripture this morning is Luke 22, verse, Luke 2, 22 to 40, a story of what's next after the familiar Christmas story. I'll pray and then invite you to hear these words, considering what it might mean for us as we live into the midst of 12 days of Christmas. Let us pray. While we are waiting, come to us, O Lord. While we are still, come to us, O Lord. While we hear your word, come to us, O Lord. Amen. Hear the word of the Lord from Luke chapter 2. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it was written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. 
it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went to the temple courts when the parents brought the child to Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the child and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the rising and falling of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, daughter of Penuel the tri- of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after their marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Mary and Joseph had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong and was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Jesus being presented at the temple as a baby by his parents comes just following what many of us would call the classic telling of the Christmas story in Luke 2. Mary and Joseph travel to Bethlehem. There's no room in the inn. Jesus is born and laid in a manger. Angels and shepherds appear with great rejoicing at the birth of Jesus, the promised one, the savior of the world. Peace on earth is declared, it is sung from the heavens by choirs of angels. And then the world and the narrative continue on. We're familiar with the early part of Luke too, but perhaps not as much this story. What takes place next, what happens now with the arrival of peace on earth? As we sang in the carol, a thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices. But then what? The Messiah come, filling our Advent longings for hope, for peace, for joy, and for love. You've considered throughout Advent the Lord of love, the shepherds of joy, the star of peace, and the child of hope. And in this passage, those fulfillments continue to unfold for two prophets, Simeon and Anna, both people who longed for the promises of God. They desired love, joy, peace, and hope. So today I'd like to think of them, and Mary and Joseph too, as prophets of promise. This passage of Jesus being presented invites us to consider the challenge and the trouble of the ongoing story that follows Jesus' birth. Jesus was born in a world that did not have a shortage of strife, wasn't a world lacking people longing for redemption. And everything wasn't immediately made perfect at the birth of this savior. Yet, Mary and Joseph believed. They believed what the angels had told them, the promises that the birth and life of this child would fulfill. Luke, as a gospel writer, invites us to see how the trouble of the world at the time of Jesus is responded to with good news. 
he reminds us of the larger story of scripture and God's ongoing promise of fulfillment. Because the birth of Jesus is only the beginning of the redemptive promises of God. This account of Jesus being dedicated and the longings of Anna and Simeon in the midst of their trouble help us consider this question. What is next? A weary world has been given a savior, but now what? According to scripture and tradition, this is now some 40 days after Jesus' birth. His parents are performing their duty as faithful Jews by returning to the temple to offer a sacrifice, to consecrate their child to the Lord. All this takes place, as Luke tells us, according to the laws of God in Leviticus. Peace on earth has come. Mary's song has declared that the world is turning upside down, and yet life continues on for the Holy Family. They come to present Jesus at the temple in a demonstration of their confidence in God's promises. They're parents to a little baby boy whose life they have already been told so much about. But that doesn't stop them from doing what was required by their faith. They knew who this child would be, the promises he would fulfill, and yet he is an ordinary baby being brought to the temple to be dedicated, to fulfill the promise of scripture. And as these parents make the promises and make the sacrifices, they do so in accordance with their scriptures, in accordance with their faith. But yet, this is no ordinary dedication of a baby at a temple. As they come into the temple, Simeon takes Jesus from his parents, holds him in his arms. Simeon is called a righteous and devout man someone who God has promised will see the Messiah before his death. And as Simeon takes this child, he praises God, saying, God, may I die now that I have seen your salvation, your light to the world, the glory for all of Israel. Simeon is said to have looked forward to the consolation of Israel. Consolation, comfort in the wake of loss or disappointment. This is an old man carrying a vast hope. He had been waiting for just this day for the providence of God to fulfill his hope in the temple that day. Luke records Simeon's song this way. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, in the glory of your people, Israel. A bit strange, is it not? A strange scene and a strange song. Luke moves from beauty and light and joy in the nativity to Simon request, Simeon requesting death. One commentator calls this refrain the oddest Christmas carol. Can you imagine that at a baptism at North Holland? Someone comes up out of the sanctuary, takes the child from the parents and starts singing this song over them? It's a bit odd. A bit odd to talk about death in the midst of dedication or baptism. Death in the midst of life. But yet there is something comforting about it too. This year has been for our family one of sorrow and death. We have wept with friends over anniversaries of loss. 
wondered what it all might have been instead. Maybe some of you experienced a year like that this year too. A year that held death and darkness longing for a redemptive miracle. Maybe mixed up along the way with light and life, punctuated with unexpected joy. Simon's song might resonate, might be one you would sing too this year. I appreciate Simon being able, Simeon being able to speak of death so honestly that the light of the Messiah is coming even in the midst of his trouble, that he has confidence, that the consolation of Israel, that the waiting for redemption will come, that this child will come and save all of the world, and that for him, in the midst of his trouble, he does finally receive the comfort he has been waiting for. And if that encounter with Simeon was not enough to speak of trouble and surprise for Mary and Joseph. Next, the temple widow, Anna, takes the baby too and says, thank you, God, for this child who we have been waiting for. She becomes what some would call the first evangelist, sharing about Jesus for all who sought to know how Israel might be redeemed. Anna lived in her own trouble, longed for her own consolation, She was widowed after only seven years of marriage, and now scripture tells us she's 84 years old. She has spent decades living in the temple, in the midst of her sorrow and her trouble, waiting for God to respond to her challenge. For Anna, in her sorrow, she plants herself in the temple, plants herself in God's presence, and turns her grief into prayer. Waiting on God became her daily practice calling on the name of the Lord for an answer. Simeon and Anna are described as righteous and devout, ones who sought after God, yet they were not without trouble. They knew sorrow, they knew longing. Neither were religious elite, professional clergy. They were ordinary people, longing for God, waiting on redemption, as was promised to them in scripture. They were prophets who knew God's promises and looked forward to a day when they would be fulfilled. So for Mary and Joseph, for Simeon and Anna, that day in the temple was a day of good news. They they experienced the promises of God being fulfilled in this baby. We see good news in Mary and Joseph, a young family bringing Jesus to the temple as was the custom of their faith. They knew the law of God. They knew how to live in such a way that loved God with all their heart, mind, strength, and soul. We see good news in Simeon as he holds this child, rejoicing with him as he rejoiced. He may not have seen the full redemption of Israel, but he saw the Messiah as a baby. We see good news in Anna as she praises God, a prayer long answered, a purpose to her waiting. The Messiah is born, and she is the one to first declare good news to those gathered in the temple that day. We, too, have trouble. We, too, wait. We wait for answers. We long for rescue from sickness, from addiction, for pain. 
our own waiting often feels like impatience and irritation. I'm just gonna grit my teeth and hold on until I can move past whatever this current trial looks like. We've had seasons like this, each and every one of us, where we've wondered, why is this happening to me? What is even next? Why is this happening to the one I love? One of my favorite theologians is Kate Bowler. She's a Duke Divinity professor, and she's written a few of my favorite books of the last few years. The title of one is Everything Happens for a Reason and Other Lies I've Loved. On her podcast earlier this year, she had a guest on that shared that there is no use being polite with God, for God is not fooled. It's easy for us to try to skip over the hard, to not enjoy the waiting, to glance over our sorrow. But for Kate in this passage, we're invited to name our sorrow, to wonder how God is at work in this for good, to be invited to sit with those who wait. There's a song called My Lighthouse, It became a favorite this summer during my sabbatical at Camp Geneva. We sang it over and over and over again. It's Nora's favorite. We still, yes. (laughs) We sing it as this happy, upbeat song. But this is the opening verse. In my wrestling and in my doubts, in my failures you won't walk out. Your great love will lead me through. You are the peace in my troubled sea. It's a song that talks of darkness and trouble, wrestling and doubt, failures and sorrow. And for me, this song was a gift to sing with the summer staff, to know that these lyrics were working themselves into who these staff were, to recognize that there is indeed trouble, that we can sing of our wrestling and our doubts. We can make space to name our failures. And I think I I love this song because it's one of my calls as a preacher. Preaching professor once say that every pastor has five sermons. Mine all end up with making space for lament and grief and naming our sorrow. And so it's no doubt that I see this witness in Mary and Joseph, in Simeon and Anna, that they speak the truth of their moment. Mary is greeted by an angel and she is afraid and yet she still sings of the promises of God. Simeon is said to be waiting for the consolation of Israel. Anna spends decades as a widow in the temple waiting for God. So as you heard this passage today, maybe you too were in the midst of sorrow, named out loud or held close. Maybe it's someone you love that is in trouble. Maybe you are the one far from living God's promised life. Lament and praise can both be held in who we are, wherever God calls us next. For the people in this passage, the moment in that temple held both. It held the trouble and the unknown. It held the joy and the gladness. For it is in that place that we have hope. For it is in that place that we learn the good news proclaimed for us, that Christ has come to save us. 
that Christ has come to be the consolation of Israel, that Christ has brought us peace, for it is in Christ that we hold our hope. So the good news for us is that God is with us. God is Emmanuel in the triumph and in the tragedy. And that God desires that we, like Anna, share this good news. This salvation brought to us by, Christ's own, by Christ, God's only son, with each and every person that we come in contact with. And so we rejoice today that what is next is the continued fulfillment of God's promises, spoken of by the prophets, that God has come in human flesh. God has called us children. We may not know what the next chapter might bring, but we do know God is with us, and this is indeed good news. So in our trouble, in our waiting, in the days after Christmas when we don't even know what day it is, we're invited to respond, to respond to the birth of Jesus, who's calling us to new life, to new redemption. Will you live as God loves you? Will you accept God's offer of redemption? Will you seek to live in peace? And as you consider that invitation, maybe you have answered with a resounding yes. I will live as a child of God. I live as God is with me, and that is where I place my hope. But perhaps you're also considering today someone else who longs for rescue, someone else who seeks consolation, someone else who yet needs to hear about this promised child. So invite you, be a prophet of the promise too. Repeat this message of Christmas. God is with us. God's promises will be fulfilled. God is your hope. So be a prophet of the promise, like Simeon and Anna, like Mary and Joseph, for this promise is for all who long for redemption, for the weary and the hopeful, for those whose life feels like both, all mixed up together. For at Christmas, in the birth of our Savior, peace will be found. Promises will be fulfilled. So as you return from this place, out into your ordinary and extraordinary lives, consider the surprising note at the end of this passage. The family returns home. After this big moment, they return home. The prophets have given them anticipation and a faint glimpse of the future, but for the moment, the people will return to the ordinary circumstances of their lives with new expectation and new confidence in the fulfillment of God's promises. So may Christmas and these prophets of promise renew your expectation and your confidence in God's working in the midst of your ordinary life. Amen. Let us pray. God, you are with us. Enable us to speak your truth. May we be prophets of promise for those around us. May you transform our trouble into hope. 
may you be the one in whom we have our hope. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.